We've been spending time in Psalm 23, a familiar passage to uh, all of us, understanding God's solution to an overwhelming life. And today we're going to look uh, at the valley of the shadow of death and try and understand God's solution for dark valleys. Uh, we'll spend quite a bit of time in verse 4. So join with me as we read the, uh, as I read this Psalm 20, Psalm 23. It's, you can, if you don't have... Um, an electronic Bible or Bible with you, you can find a Bible in your pew, and it's uh, page 315, uh, as you can see from the monitor behind me. Uh, follow along as I read. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. God, we thank you that you are our shepherd. And that in dark and deep valleys, you are with us. You don't leave us um, alone. You are with us, and we thank you. And God, I pray that you would open our hearts and minds up to hear from you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you, Bill. Appreciate you leading us in our scripture reading this morning. You know, God is an amazing God, amen? And it's amazing how God orchestrates things, works things out, ordains uh, just the sequences of life. Uh, including our personal lives and even life across our nation, across our world. And there's little doubt, uh, in light of recent events this last week, uh, of the violence, the hostility, the division, especially with uh, the killings there in Dallas of those police officers, that are, we are walking through a dark valley as a nation. And perhaps you're here this morning and you are also walking through a dark valley even personally, in your life. And, and so what is amazing to me is how God orchestrates the timing of uh, these messages, and as we continue in this summer series through Psalm 23, and here we come to our focus on verse 4 in particular, as uh, Bill read for us, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. In my, that is what we have seen. And so what is God's solution to that? Does God have any solution to it? M. Scott Peck begins his book, The Road Less Traveled, with these words. Life is difficult. And how true that is. And the reason, or at least one of the reasons life is so difficult, is because life consists of dark valleys. Both personally, nationally, even globally. And the process of facing these dark valleys is oftentimes very, very painful. 
And so we do everything we can, if you're like myself, I know I'm this way, to avoid the dark valleys. We don't want to face them, we don't want to walk through them, and so we try to run from them, we try to avoid them at all costs. We would rather go around them than face them. We would rather get out of them than suffer through them. And that's why Mr. Peck calls his book, The Road Less Traveled. But the Christian life, and even Psalm 23, offers no shortcut around the dark valleys in life. Dark valleys are a certainty of life. Your job is eliminated. Your marriage is falling apart. Your finances are a mess. Your once-trusted friend betrays you. Your health problems are mounting. Your dreams are dashed by failure. And we could go on and on and on. Life is a mixture of pain and pleasure, of victory and defeat, of success and failure, mountaintops and valleys. Think of it this way. There are no valleys without mountains. Geographically, it's impossible to have a valley without a mountain. And so if you find yourself in a valley here today, remember you have come down from a mountain. And if you're on a mountain, remember that you came to that place by way of a valley. So what then is God's solution to dark valleys? Well, again, if I may read it to us once more, follow along there in your notes, what David writes here in verse For, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. And now David tells us why. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Now what's interesting is that even though Psalm 23 is is often seen as a, quote, funeral psalm, uh, many times I, I will read Psalm 23 in conducting funerals. But what's interesting is that the original Hebrew text never mentions the word death. This phrase, the valley of the shadow of death, notice this in your notes if you want to follow along. In the Hebrew, it actually means the valley of deep darkness. What's really interesting is that in Israel, there is a valley actually called the valley of the shadow of death. It's located just beyond the hills of Bethlehem and and toward the Dead Sea. It's a steep, deep, and narrow canyon, 1,500 feet deep in some places. And the sun only hits the bottom of the canyon when it's directly overhead at high noon. The rest of the time, the bottom of the canyon is dark. In the Bible times, this valley was also very dangerous because bears, lions, lepers, hyenas, and robbers would wait in the shadows to attack the sheep as shepherds would lead their flocks through this canyon. Now, just like valleys in life, this valley was a dark, dreadful, and dangerous place for sheep. And yet, dark valleys are are necessary. They're part of the shepherd's plan for our lives. Did you notice how this verse relates? That is verse 4. How it relates to the preceding verse before it in verse 3. Look in your Bibles. Look at what it says here in verse 3. David declares, he, speaking of the Lord as his shepherd, he leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And then immediately, verse 4 goes on to say that one of those paths in which the shepherd leads and guides is the valley of the shadow of death. 
Now, this valley, a shadow of death, it's different for different people. But it represents the hardest times of life, the darkest nights that we might experience, the deepest, loneliest places we pass through. You might think of it this way. It's whatever creates hopelessness in your life can be called the shadow of valley of death. So how do we handle the dark valleys of life? Well, God's solution to dark valleys here in Psalm 23 includes something for us to remember and something for us to do as we pass through these dark valleys. And so let's break it down this morning. What to remember in dark valleys. There's something for us to remember as we're passing through these valleys of life. Valleys which we want to avoid. In fact, I'd like to highlight five of them for you. Five things to remember in dark valleys. Number one is dark valleys are inevitable. They are inevitable. You're going to face them, so you might as well as count on them. Either you've come out of a valley, or you're in a valley right now, or you're headed towards a valley. Valleys happen throughout life, one right after another. And after every mountaintop, there is a valley. In fact, Jesus was very, very realistic about this. Here on this earth, during his time here, he told his disciples, and consequently, it's recorded in the Word of God for us. So now he's telling us, here in John 16, verse 33, Jesus says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. It's not a matter of if, it's when. Dark valleys are going to happen. They're inevitable. Everyone goes through times of difficulty, disappointment, and discouragement in life. There will be times of suffering and sorrow and sickness. Times of failure, frustration, and fatigue. Dark valleys are simply a normal part of our lives as sheep. So don't be surprised by them. They're inevitable. That's the first thing to remember. The second thing to remember is dark valleys are unpredictable, though. They are unpredictable. You can't plan them. You can't time them. Nor can you schedule them. Valleys are always unexpected. They usually come at the worst time in life. That is the one thing we can probably count on with them. When you're extremely busy or unprepared, they're bound to happen. Has your car ever broke down at a good time? Has your refrigerator ever gone out at a, quote, good time in life? The water heater ever gone out at a good time in life? No! It just happens, and usually when it's most inconvenient to us. Wouldn't it be great if you could schedule your valleys in life? God, if I have to go through it, why don't we make it here? This time on the calendar, so I can kind of gear up for it. But you can't plan life like that. Valleys are unpredictable, as the prophet Jeremiah proclaims in Jeremiah 4.20. Disaster follows disaster. The whole land lies in ruins. In an instant, my tents are destroyed, my shelter in a moment. So dark valleys are inevitable. They're also unpredictable. And then the third thing to remember is they are impartial. No one is immune to valleys. No one is insulated from pain and sorrow. No one gets to skate through life problem-free. 
Everybody has problems. Everyone goes through valleys. And the Bible is clear that good things happen both to bad people and sometimes bad things happen to good people. Jesus reminds us of this truth even in Matthew chapter 5, verse 45, where he says on, in that famous Sermon on the Mount, he causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. And so when we go through a valley in life, our first reaction is oftentimes, why me? Why me, God? What did I do? But we should be asking, why not me? Because valleys are impartial. They don't care how righteous or unrighteous you may be. Valleys, number four, are also temporary. Now, this is the good news of them. They're temporary. Valleys don't last. They are not a permanent location. They do have an end. David says, yea, though I walk through the valley. The valley is not something you stay in. The valley is something you go through. When you're in a valley, it's so easy to think in that moment that it's a dead end. But the valley is not a box canyon. It's more like a tunnel that you pass through. In the valley, you might be tempted to think, this will never end. I'll never laugh again. I'll never enjoy life again. But you will. The promise here is that you will get through the valley. As dark as it might seem, it won't always be that way. I love what the Apostle Peter tells us in 1 Peter 1.6. He says, in this you greatly rejoice. And you're like, in what? Well, get ready, because he tells us. Though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. But I like how Peter qualifies it. He says that sometimes you're going to go through all kinds of trials, but he says it's only for a little while. And I love what Paul reminds us in 2 Corinthians 4.17. He says, for our light and momentary Troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. Of course, on this side of eternity, our trials often don't seem momentary, but they are momentary in comparison to eternity. And so they are temporary. Remember that. Dark valleys are temporary. And then the last, number five, fifth thing to remember is dark valleys are purposeful. God does have a purpose for them. It may not seem like it at the time, but God always has a reason for taking us through the valleys. Whether it's a financial valley, whether it's a family marriage valley crisis, whether it's a, a career valley or some other kind of valley, God always has a purpose behind the pain. Following up on what Peter writes in verse 6, immediately in verse 7, Peter writes this, and I'll go back to even verse 6, when he writes, In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Why? Why does God take us through dark valleys? Because God wants to do something with our lives. 
God has a purpose and plan. And He wants to test your faith and He wants to build your character in the valleys of life. Listen, our faith isn't tested when everything is going great in life. Our faith is tested when everything is going wrong in life. That's when you get on your knees and you trust God. That's when you cry out to God. And you learn to trust Him even more. And God stretches your faith in those moments. We love to enjoy the mountaintops, but you don't build character on the mountaintops. You build your character in the valleys of life. And so God's goal here is not necessarily to make us comfortable throughout all the times of our lives. That's not God's number one priority for my life or for your life as a Christ follower, to make us comfortable. Rather, His goal is to Make us more like Christ. And valleys are a great place for God to achieve that purpose. Here's the question. Is testing faith and building character something that you can just do overnight? Well, no. That takes some time. This is why David writes, I walk through the valley. You can't run through the valleys. You can't speed through the valleys. We want to zoom through them, through the valleys of life, but the Christian life, listen, it's not a NASCAR race. God has a purpose as He leads us in the valleys. He wants to test our faith and build our character, and that takes time. And so, remember, as you are going through the valleys, as you're facing them, experiencing them, that God has a purpose for them for your life. When you're in dark valleys, remember these five truths. But what do we do while we're in the midst of dark valleys? Well, first of all, notice this in your notes coming up on the screen. Let me give you three things to do here. The first of which is to refuse to walk in fear as you pass through the valleys of life. Refuse to walk in fear. Notice what David writes again here in verse 4. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Because of fear, we often want to run through the valleys or we panic and we want to run the other way. But David says, I walk now, to walk here, it simply means to calmly and deliberately take steps through the valley. And David says, I'm not going to walk in fear as I walk through that valley. I, in other words, I will walk in courage through the valley, trusting in the Lord as my shepherd. One of the things Jesus, it's interesting, one of the things he, Jesus repeatedly said throughout his ministry was, fear not. Or do not be afraid. Fear not, do not be afraid. Why? Because Jesus is well aware of what fear does to people. Fear is devastating. And it's a destructive emotion. Fear destroys our faith. It paralyzes our walk. It creates mistrust within our relationships. And it distorts our perspective of God himself. And so instead of walking in fear, we need to walk in courage through the dark valleys. But this brings us to a question. 
what kind or how much courage does a sheep need as it walks through the valley? I would suggest to you that a sheep does not need courage to fight its enemies. The most courageous sheep in the world would still be easy prey for even the smallest wolf or mountain lion. What a sheep needs is the courage to trust in the shepherd. And that's what we need, the courage to trust in our Lord, shepherd, as he leads us through the valleys. David tells the Lord in Psalm 56, verse 3, when I am afraid, now listen to his solution, I put my trust in you, Lord. The prophet Isaiah said the same thing in Isaiah 12, 2. I will trust and I will not be afraid. David says, I will fear no evil. The word will here implies a choice. In other words, I will fear no evil is a decision on our part. So how then, how do we choose to walk in courage as I pass through the dark valleys? I would suggest again here by focusing on God's power rather than on the problems we're facing or the valleys that we're walking through. By focusing on the shepherd rather than on your situation. It's interesting, you can take two people and put them in identical situations, whether it be a tragedy, a, a crisis, adversity, suffering, sickness, you name it, and one of them will be blown away by it, and the other will actually come out stronger on the other side having gone through it. And you say, well, why is that? Well, the difference is what you're focusing on, or rather who you're trusting in. When you're passing through the valleys of life, we need to focus on the shepherd, not on our situation, but rather on God's power, not on our problem. And the reason is simple. We, we ourselves, we don't have enough strength to make it through the valleys all on our own. When you're going through valleys, are you energized or drained at the end of the day? I probably venture to say that 99.9% .9 of us, man, we're drained. We're not energized at the end of the day when we're going through the midst of adversity, a tragedy, crisis, sickness, suffering, whatever that valley may be in your life. Man, it depletes us emotionally, physically, even spiritually. We are drained by it. Human strength runs out, especially in dark valleys. That's why we need a power source that is much bigger than ourselves. To sustain us. Listen, if you think you're going to make it through all the valleys on your own, forget about it. You're not going to. And if you try, you will burn out before you make it out. This is why we need God's power. Colossians 1.11 tells us, May you be strengthened with all power according to His glorious might, for all endurance and patience with joy. Do you realize that as a Christ follower, you have dwelling with you the power of the Holy Spirit? Amazing, is it not? We have everything we need. God has, gives us everything we need to walk through the valleys of life. 
So the first thing you do in the dark valleys is to refuse to walk in fear. The second thing you do is to remember that the Lord is with you every step of the way. That the Lord is with you. David continues in verse 4 when he says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Why? For you, Lord, are with me. You see, the reason, the reason David could walk in courage instead of fear through the valleys of life is because he knew something. And what he knew made all the difference in the world. He knew that his Lord, his shepherd, was with him every step of the way. Reminds me of the story about the little boy who was just starting his year at elementary school. And he was asked, along with all the other children, to share with the class what I want to be when I grow up in life. And so after several nervous presentations from his classmates, the little boy, he stands up, and he's looking surprisingly confident, and he begins to share, when I grow up, I'm going to be a lion tamer. I'll have lots of scary lions who will roar when I get into the cage. And suddenly he pauses, clearly contemplating what it might be like to just enter that cage full of roaring lions. And then he adds, but of course I'll have my daddy with me. That's the courage we have when we walk through the valleys of life. Our Heavenly Father, our Lord Shepherd is with me, David says. God not only promises us His power as we walk through the valleys, but get this, He promises us His very presence. You will never go through a dark valley by yourself when you follow the Lord as your shepherd. He will be with you every step of the way. God tells us in Isaiah 43, verse 2, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. In other words, they will not overwhelm you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. Now that's what we can call hope in the valleys of life. You're not going to drown. You're not going to burn. You're not going to die. Because God says, I'm with you every step of the way in the valley. God doesn't sit up in heaven and look down on our lives in the valley saying, well, I sure hope he makes it. Well, I hope, hope she doesn't quit and gets through it. Oh no, instead the Lord is with you in the valley. He's walking with you. He's leading you. And He's sustaining you with His power and His presence. Now, before we move on, let me make just two key observations about what we've just seen so far here. First, the name of the shepherd, that is the Lord, is only mentioned two times in the psalm. Psalm 23. At the very beginning of the psalm, when David writes, the Lord is my shepherd. And then at the end of the psalm, when David writes, I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So you have the name of the shepherd, Lord, at the very beginning of the psalm and at the very end of the psalm. And you may be wondering, well, what's the big deal about that? Why are you telling me this trivial information, Bruce? Well, when you view the psalm as your life, it's a very big deal. 
The Lord's Shepherd, think of it this way, is like two bookends at either end of our lives. Our lives are lived in His presence with His power holding us up as we go through life. Then at the very center of the psalm here, David makes a significant shift in his use of the pronouns. In the first three verses, perhaps you notice this, all the pronouns are in the third person as David talks about the Lord. For example, he, talking about the Lord's shepherd, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness. But when David gets to the valleys, here in verse 4, he changes the pronouns to the second person. He says, I will fear no evil, for you, Lord, are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You see, instead of talking about the Lord, David now starts speaking to the Lord as if he's walking side by side with the Lord through the dark valleys of life. You see, nothing will bring you face to face with the Lord more than going through the dark valleys of life, will they? Some of you, many of you know exactly what I'm talking about because you've been there and you've done that. You've experienced that. All of a sudden, my religion about God becomes a relationship with God. Because when I'm going through the valley, I don't want to just talk about God. I want to talk to God as my shepherd, as he's walking with me, leading me, and sustaining me. Any Christ follower will tell you that the times they've been closest to the Lord were in those face-to-face encounters that happen only in the dark valleys of life. And when you're in the valley, and you're discouraged, and you're depleted, and you're talking directly to God, that's when He becomes real to you. That's when God says to you through His Word, through the Spirit that dwells within you, through other Christ followers encouraging you and supporting you and lifting you up. I am with you, God says. You're not alone as you travel through this valley. So don't be afraid. I will sustain you. But there's one other thing that we need to do as we journey through the dark valleys of life. The last thing is this. Rely on the Lord's protection and direction in the valley. Look at the last phrase in verse 4 one more time. David writes, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Now the rod and the staff were two basic tools that a shepherd used to protect his sheep and direct his sheep. It's important to note that this statement, your rod and your staff, they comfort me, listen, is directly linked to the preceding phrase. Through the experience of walking through the dark valleys of life. Why is that? Again, as we already alluded to, dark valleys are dangerous places where our faith is frequently ambushed. And our perspective of this temporary world and even our perspective of eternity is easily lost. 
It's in these situations that we need the Lord's protection more than ever. That we need the Lord's direction more than ever in our lives. So what is it specifically, this rod and this staff? Well, notice here in your notes, the shepherd's rod was a symbol of his power. And it was used to protect the sheep. The rod was a wooden club about two feet long, and it was used to defend the sheep against attacking animals. In fact, I have such a rod. Looks something like this. Now, this is not a shepherd's rod. This, but it looks something like this. This is actually a rod that comes from Africa when we took a missions campaign over to uh, Tanzania. And this is a Maasai warrior rod. But you get the same idea. It's about two feet long. And at the end of it, you have this rounded club thing. And it's normally carved out of a knot in the, in the piece of limb. And often shepherds would even hammer in pieces of sharp metal and whatnot. And they would use this to beat down the attacking animals or prey that would try to attack his sheep. But they could also throw this rod when they saw prey off in the distance. And so this rod was used for protection by the shepherd. He was very skilled at using his rod. The rod, in other words, was an extension of the shepherd's right arm. Now, I'm left-handed, so it's an extension of my right, left hand. Normally, your, your, your strong arm is your right arm. And so whatever your strong is, the Lord even refers to the right arm of the Lord in the Old Testament. And it's a, it's a reference to the power and might of the Lord. And it's the same way of a shepherd. This is an extension of his strong arm to protect his sheep. And David says the Lord is doing that for us as we walk through the dangerous valleys in life. His rod is there to protect me. Whoa, blow me away, right? That's pretty cool. Now, you may be more familiar with this. We all know what this is, right? Yes, it's the shepherd's staff. And the shepherd's staff was a symbol of his compassion. And it was used to direct the sheep. It was a long stick, and as you can see, it has a hook at one end. This is actually a homemade staff. Whoever made it did a pretty good job. And we sometimes use it in kids' church over there for other different reasons. But it serves as a great illustration for now. All right? This is a shepherd's staff. What's interesting is only shepherds carried staff. It is designed in shape to the needs of sheep only. In other words, this will not work for herding cattle. It will not work for horses or for dogs. Shepherds use the staff to guide the sheep or restrain the sheep from wandering off and to draw them close to him. In fact, he could put this around the neck of a sheep, pull it back in. He may even use this to, to push, push away branches that were obstructing the progress of the sheep down the path. It would be used in a lot of different ways. Or uh, to drive out snakes coiled in the path of tall grass. He would beat down as he walked along the grass anything that might be an adversary to the sheep. The staff, though, is essentially a symbol of the shepherd's compassion for his sheep as he watched over them. In the same way, the Lord our shepherd protects us and he directs us as we go through the valley. And this brings a sense of comfort and peace to our hearts. Or at least it should. When you're going through the valley, 
Listen, God is not sitting in heaven unconcerned and apathetic about your welfare. The good shepherd, our Lord shepherd, do you realize he is fighting for your life? He's defending you against the spiritual attacks of Satan. He's leading you and guiding you every step of the way through the valley. This is why David writes, your rod and your staff, they what? Comfort me. Is that what the shepherd does for you, the Lord shepherd? Is the Lord shepherd comforting you? Are you allowing the Lord to comfort you with his rod and with his staff? Through his protection and guidance. This word comfort, I don't get the wrong idea because here in America, if you're in my house, you come over and I say, hey man, have a seat in my big plush chair. That's comfort, right? And that's sometimes what we think of comfort. Relaxing in a lazy boy or some other means. But it literally means, this word comfort, with strength. When we want to comfort someone, we may say something like, cheer up, hey, things will get better eventually. We offer words of comfort. But do you get this? God offers His people so much more than that. He offers us His power and His presence and His compassion as He protects us and directs us through the valleys of life. And this should bring us comfort or strength for one purpose, to keep going through the valleys. Not to stop and have a pity party. Not to turn around and go back. Not to get sidetracked. It is to strengthen us. It's to gird us up, in other words, and to keep leading us on so that we might persevere through the valleys, not alone, not in isolation. When you're in the valleys of life, boy, there's always one question that hangs over, isn't there? There's always this one question that hangs over every valley that we walk through. And that one question is, why? Why? But how much comfort would it give us if our whys were answered to our satisfaction? I mean, if God gave us answers to our questions, how much comfort would that really bring to our hearts? Do you think knowing why five police officers were killed in Dallas this last week brings much comfort to their families? Listen, comfort doesn't come from knowing why we're in the valleys. Comfort comes from knowing who is in the valleys of life with us. Real comfort is knowing that the Lord is with you every step of the way and that He will protect you and He will direct you through the valley. He will see to it that you get through it. And yet, when you're going through a dark valley, the scary parts are often the shadows. And we sometimes think, how in the world am I going to make it? Bruce, I get everything you've said up to now. I agree with everything you say. I believe everything that David writes here. But I am still asking, how? How are we going to get through it? But don't forget what David writes. 
He says, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. He didn't say he walked through the valley of death, but the valley of the shadow of death. You see, one day, someday, a shadow is going to fall over your life. Count on it. And when those times come, you need to remember three important facts about shadows. Fact number one is shadows are always bigger than the reality, are they not? How many have had a little toddler scared of the shadow in their bedroom and they scream for mommy and the shadows ah, bigger than reality? Number two, shadows can't hurt you. I haven't met a shadow yet that can hurt anyone. Have you ever been run over by a shadow? Have you ever been hit by a shadow? There's a difference between the shadow of a truck and the truck itself. Shadows are images without substance. Shadows can scare you, but they can't hurt you. And then the third fact is, there is no shadow without light. Shadows are only visible in the presence of light. And so when you start to walk in fear, which every one of us will do, here's what we do. When that fear begins to well up within your heart, when it begins to paralyze your steps going forward, turn your back on the shadow and focus on Jesus Christ as your shepherd because He and He alone is the light of this world. Everyone goes through the same dark valleys in life. So what's the difference between Christ followers going through them and people who have yet to come to saving faith in Jesus Christ. Here's the difference. Notice this. The difference is not the absence of the valleys, but the presence of the Lord as your shepherd. I love what David writes here in Psalm 34, 19, where he says, The righteous person may have many troubles, but the Lord delivers him from them all. When you go back over Psalm 23 and reread it, all six of these verses here, do you realize that the constant, the constant in Psalm 23 is not the green pastures and still waters? Those are temporary. The constant in Psalm 23 is not even the dark valleys. And for that we say, yeah, right? David says we eventually. We walk through them. The only constant in Psalm 23 is the presence of the Lord. For you are with me, as David writes. Let's pray. Before I pray, let me just throw out a question for you to think about here. Is the Lord with you this morning? Are you following the Lord as your shepherd? That is, do you know the Lord? Because you have a relationship. You come to that point in your life where you have cried out for your need for Jesus Christ to be not only your shepherd, but also your Savior. You've confessed your sin. You've asked the Lord to forgive you. You've repented. And you have put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ alone for your salvation. And you are now committing your life to follow him as your shepherd. 
That is the key to Psalm 23. Lord, we admit that it's so much easier for us to think our dark valleys are an exception to your presence rather than a simple reminder that you are there. And we realize it's easier to feel stuck in those dark valleys rather than remembering that you always see us through it. Thank you for reassuring us this morning that your presence is constant and faithful in our lives. Help us to trust you as our Lord Shepherd as we follow you through the dark valleys of life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.